Amen. Oh, the sound of chatter and fellowship in the house of God. It's an awesome thing. For way too long it was silent. Pastor was preaching to puppets. It was a crazy time. So it's good that we are here together in fellowship and connection. That is an awesome thing. It is time. The young man in his late teens or early 20s said to himself, I have had enough. He grabbed the cash, which didn't belong to him, and he bolted for the door. No turning back now. Greener pastures lay ahead. No more of this yes sir and no sir junk. I'm officially my own boss and I'm prepared to answer and apologize to absolutely no one. But, as he soon realized, stolen money and a bad attitude wasn't all it was cracked up to be. A late night in a strange town, perhaps partying just a little bit too much, landed him in the local jail. That wasn't the worst of it. When all this young man wanted as he lay in his cell's bunk was just some peace and quiet to allow his pounding head a breather, he realized he wasn't alone. In the cell next to his was some old dude. Not sure what you're in for, old man, but I'd appreciate it if you shut your trap, he shouted. The old man had been singing. Didn't have an American Idol voice, but he did sing with passion and joy. Why, the young man thought to himself, why is he so happy? He's in jail just like me, and I'm certainly not pumped about being here. Having heard enough, the young man asked why the singer in the cell was so happy. Just the open door that the old man was hoping for. And with that, he began to share his story. He told the young man all about his former life and how he used to be a murderer. But now things were different. Now he spent his days sharing life and hope with anyone and everyone. After 30 minutes or so of discussion, this young runaway gave his heart to Jesus. The young man then told of all that he had done. How he served in his boss's house. How he had stole some cash and ran away. The old man told the young man what he already knew, that he must return to his boss, own up to the wrong that he had done, because this is what Jesus would want. Upon hearing this young man's confession and his decision to return to face the music, the old man began to write something. A letter. A few minutes passed. The old man handed the folded paper to his younger jailed friend, when you get out, give this to your boss. Trust me. And trust that God is with you. Title of the message today is, It's Always Been You. And this morning I'll be speaking from the book Philemon, chapter only. I have a quick favor to ask just before we get into the heart of the word for everyone. If you guys give me 25 minutes, 
of good eye contact and uninterrupted attention and you take the electronic leash and you put it aside just for a little bit, I promise God will do something in your life. It'll still be there when I'm done. So if I look at, out at you and you're not giving eye contact to me, that tells me that you're probably looking at a device and I wish that you wouldn't. You don't even need it this morning. We have some verses that we're gonna share on the screen. I use mine a lot for Bible app. But this morning, I just ask for your attention. There are three characters that I'd like to introduce to you guys today. And hence, I have three points with each of those characters. Character number one and point number one, the perspective of Paul. Now, for those of you who may not know, the letter that the old man wrote and handed to his young jailed friend was actually the letter that we're going to read from this morning. It's Philemon. Now, if you say Philemon, I'm not offended by that, okay? Um, it's just like another character that we're going to read about later. I call him Onesimus, but if you call him Onesimus, that's totally fine too. It's all right. We're a product of how we were raised, and my dad told me early on, it's not the book of Revelations. There's no plural. It's Revelation. It's the revealing of Jesus. And so I'm a product of that. And so Philemon is how I will refer to him. Onesimus is how I will refer to him. But we're, we're still friends if you don't like that. The perspective of Paul. In verse 1 of Philemon, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. And so here, this letter that Paul writes on behalf of Onesimus is the letter that we get to experience and, and grow from and be encouraged by. Now, Paul understood stubborn and rebellious attitude. Why do I say that? Well, he lived it. For so many years, when, when Paul finally got saved, Jesus said, it's hard for you to keep kicking against the pricks or to keep rebelling against my love and my grace and my mercy and my call on your life. But that's what Paul did for the longest time. He kicked against that and he thought that Christianity was actually against the Jewish God that he grew serving. And so he spent his time rounding up Christians, those that were of the way is what they were called, and he took mother from children and husband from wife took them to jail and stood and hoped that they would be executed for their belief in fact when Stephen was stoned Paul held the coats and said this is good and so Paul lived a life of being stubborn of being rebellious so he knew what he was talking about and he knew that this young man had issues Obviously, one, we all have issues. But two, something had to land him in jail. He wasn't there just for being a good guy. Something had happened in his life. But Paul said this, I realize that there's an issue that we need to take care of first and foremost, and it's a spiritual issue. Friends, this morning, I have very real news that we don't dwell on near enough. Hell is real. And I love to focus on heaven. And I love to think about what God has in store for me. And that he's preparing a mansion and has my name on the door. And I get to spend eternity with him. 
And I get to see the loved ones that have gone on before me, and that's all great news. But don't forget, those who reject and deny and put walls up and do not say, Jesus, I will make you Lord of my life, will spend an eternity in a place called hell. Eternity. There will be no next week they get out or next year they're up for parole or in 10 years they've served their time. It is for eternity and they will burn and not die and they will be tortured and it will not go away. And we need to realize that our very worst enemy who we can't stand to be around, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. And I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. It is a godless place that is without hope. And hope keeps us going. And Paul said, if this young man does not give his heart to Jesus, he will spend an eternity in hell. And hell is real. It is referenced over 160 times in the New Testament alone. Jesus, in fact, referenced hell 70 times in his teaching. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Because of the severity he wanted people to realize. And Paul realized the spiritual need of Onesimus. Onesimus didn't know Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because those things are spiritually discerned. Paul said, until I can get to a point where I can get this man to understand that he's lost. And let me tell you, before you can get anyone saved, first you have to let them realize that they're lost. Because some people are like, I was born going to heaven. I was born a Christian. I'm born saved. But that's all untrue. That is untrue. Unless you come to a saving knowledge and a point where you say, now is where I draw the line in the sand and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, you are lost. And the natural man doesn't see that. Do you guys know that there are some people that think you're really weird? (laughs) They can't fathom or comprehend the life you lead or the path you walk. It just doesn't add up. Because the Bible says those things are only discerned through the Spirit. And Paul knew that. He better. He wrote it. He gave Onesimus information. And then Onesimus, this prisoner who had stolen from his master and run away and now was in jail, Onesimus now had a choice upon receiving the good news, the gospel of Jesus that Paul had shared. Onesimus had a choice. Am I going to continue to run from Jesus or will I rest in Jesus? And pastor's so good to give us time in the morning before we even start our work day to get alone with God and I'm writing as fast as I can as God said in Onesimus's life he could either continue to run from me or he could make the decision to rest in me I thought that was so good Dexter Dennis he's a guard at Wichita State. He's a junior. They finished a basketball game just recently, home game. And after the game was over and the teams went into their locker rooms and they changed and they went their own way, 
Dexter Dennis went up into the stands and he began to help those that were in charge of cleaning the arena at Wichita State. Picking up all the cups and stuff that were left and going through and sweeping and empty all the trash. And he stayed, he stayed for hours helping. And of course it got out and he said, I, I didn't do this for any attention. But they said, why, why did you do it? And he said this, quote, it just gives me perspective on life. It could always be worse. I thought that was huge because Paul had this perspective. It's the way we see things. We are quick to complain. I think it was last week Pastor was just encouraging us to be mindful of what comes out of our mouth. Don't confess and profess our problems, but instead to say, thank you, God, that you're working in my life. And thank you, as Dexter Dennis said, it could always be worse. Keep things in perspective. Point number two. We looked at the perspective of Paul. I want you to see the obedience of Onesimus. Perhaps you know someone or you were someone. Notice I didn't say you are someone because I know that you're not. But perhaps you know or were someone who, like Onesimus, thought of obedience as a dirty word. To him, literally, O-B-E-Y was a four-letter word. He didn't like it. He didn't live it. He didn't pursue it. When he woke up, he thought, oh, I hope I don't have to do A, B, and C today. And I'm so sick of this. Doing something for someone else. He perhaps had trouble with submission to authority. I'm just throwing that out there. I kind of get that feel with Onesimus. He just didn't submit very well. No one's going to tell me what to do. My own man. Be my own boss. Don't tell me that I can't do it or that I should do it or that I have to do it. I could perceive by listening to Paul's letter and the description and and you can, you can read about Onesimus in other history books. It's very fascinating. But his, his attitude kind of lends perhaps toward one that is not very friendly. Perhaps please and thank you and I'm sorry didn't come out of his mouth. At least near enough. But at the time that Paul let him know that Jesus loved him and had a call on his life, and Onesimus said, I want to accept this Jesus and I want to make him Lord, Onesimus's conversion stirred a change. And that's what conversion does. It changes us. You know, John the Baptist, I've shared this before, John the Baptist preached a, a sermon, a message of repentance. And the Greek word for repentance is a picture of someone actually walking this direction and they turn around and they start walking this direction. John the Baptist was crying, turn yourselves around. And Onesimus found this to be true. The transformation had begun in his heart. The change had come in. There was a repentance and I do believe that at the point of, of salvation and a realization of what God has done, you realize, just like Peter, you remember what Peter did when he realized who Jesus was? Get away from me. 
I am unholy and you are holy. I realize who you are. And there's a realization that comes when you know who Jesus is. And that realization brings a repentant heart. Because you realize that your life has been stained with sin. And God, being holy, can't stand sin. He loves us all. But you know what he's going to do with sin? He's going to judge it. And it's going to be thrown in with those that practice it and do not put their faith in Jesus. They are going to spend eternity in hell. Onesimus said, I want to be directionally different. Paul, I don't want to travel this road anymore because it leads to nowhere. As a young fella, we went to church in Willisville, a little Baptist church. And my dad being involved in the church, it seemed like we were working there all the time. Pastor, I know you and I have talked before, it's just a season where you're just always here, always working. There's projects to be done. I felt that was the way growing up. And as we were working on the outside of the building for a couple weeks stretch, I noticed a gentleman that lived across from the church. And when he came home from work, the first thing he did was start yelling and cussing for his kids. And I was like nine, and it scared me to death. He would get out of his car. What a blankety blank. Danny, get out here. You left your bike in the way. I almost hit it. And just every word was harsh and foul. He wasn't happy. And I felt terrible for his kids. I thought, Dad, thank you for not being like that. And he did this day after day after day. And we would be out there working. And Dad said, just ignore it. You know, it's okay. But it scared me. Well, anyway, a couple years had passed. We had a revival meeting. And Somebody invited him. It wasn't me. <laughs> he came to church, and during that week, this wretched fellow gave his heart to Jesus. So my eyes were about that big, you know, that particular gathering. And you begin to see something happening in his life. And if I was outside and he came home from work, he wasn't harsh. He wasn't foul-mouthed. And he grew in the Lord and he began coming for Bible study. And for Sunday morning and Wednesday night, we would have a morning prayer. He was there. And he just became involved. And you saw what God's love and call on someone's life can do. He can take someone like Paul who was a murderer. I should say Saul, and transform, transform him into Paul. He can take a runaway Onesimus and he can make him someone who was ready to go face the music and say, I've wronged my master Philemon and I need to go back and I need to make it right. And Paul said this, right before you get released and you're going to head back, and I think that's a good thing to do, I'm just going to write something for you. Okay. He folded it up and he handed it to Onesimus and he said, give this to your boss. And so Onesimus becomes the personal mailman of a letter that would soon change his life. Point number three. You guys have been awesome. It's my last point. The forgiveness of Philemon. Jenny and I went to see a, a movie a couple weeks back based on a true story uh, from the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, two missionaries during World War II 
over in Europe while Adolf Hitler was running through. And they could have left, but they decided to stay and witness. And it was a very, very powerful, powerful movie. But this young lady had a chance to come face to face with the executioner of her family in a concentration camp. And as he stands there and awaits her response, she walks over and she kisses him on the face and hugs him. And tears begin streaming down his face. And he said, why? Why? And she said this. Because at the very heart of the gospel is forgiveness. Second Corinthians 5.17 We are now a new creation in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation, because old things are passed away. All things are become new. Romans 12.2 talks about a transformation. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. Instead, I got a better idea. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, I live, I live. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. And so as there was a knock at the door and Philemon opens the door and there stands Onesimus and he hands him a letter and he says, I'm so sorry for what I did. Philemon has a choice. He can respond in an old nature or he can react in his new nature because Philemon was a believer and he was a Christian. He could either speak negative and death over the situation or he could speak positive and life. His old nature wanted to focus on punishment, but his new nature decided to focus on purity. His old nature wanted to exemplify leverage in guilt, but his new nature wanted to love through grace. His old nature sought revenge. His new nature sought relationship. His old would practice manipulation, but now he was going to practice mercy. The old nature always sees the wrong, but the new nature saw redemption. His old would live in vindication, but now his new nature would live in vulnerability. As he took the letter and he read it, and he looked at Onesimus and he said, I forgive you. And I'm no longer going to look at you as a slave. I'm now going to look at you as family. So we're going to do something different this morning. I want you guys to listen to a song. We're just going to put the words up on the screen. And I want you to look at this song through the eyes of Onesimus. I didn't write this song. I didn't title it. 
If I wrote it and titled it, I would do this. I would call it the Song of Onesimus. But I want this song just to speak to you. And so you just, you just look at it through the eyes of one runaway slave who now felt the love that he never felt before in his life. You saw me first You let me in when I was at my worst The moment when I heard you say my name It's the first time in so long I'm not afraid Inside me, castle walls that stand around me. All this time, my guardian was you. You are the light that shines in every tunnel. There in the past, you'll be there tomorrow. All my life, your love was breaking through. It's always been yes.
want to show you guys something today. Onesimus said, you mean there's a God that can forgive me for what I've done? Paul said, yeah. So Onesimus, realizing all that he's done wrong, he says, God, I'm so thankful that you saw me first and that you made a decision to let me in when I was at my worst. The moment when I heard you say my name and for the first time in so long, I'm not afraid. He says, God, as I look at all the past, I realize every call, every nudge, every time that I felt someone holding my hand, it's always been you. So here's a word for you that's so key when we come and gather together. Application. How does all this apply to you? I'll tell you. Three characters. We have Paul, we have Philemon, and we have Onesimus. Paul represents Jesus. And Philemon represents the Father. I'm going to read for you the last part of this book. In verse 16 of Philemon 1, Paul writing says, Don't receive him as a slave, more than a slave, as family. And Paul says, Philemon, if you count me as someone that you value, receive him as you would receive me. And if he owes you anything, put that on my account. So my Jesus did this as he approaches Father God. He points to Onesimus and says, if you could please look at him like you look at me and if he owes you anything put it on my account because church we are Onesimus that's us can you see this this letter if you count me as someone you value and Jesus is valued by the father then look at them like you look at me and he doesn't see me anymore in my sin and my shame. When Father God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And Jesus said, Oh, Father, if he's wronged you in any way, put it on my account. And God said, I'll do that. And every wrath, anger, Everything that our sin built, God took it out on his son. And Jesus was tortured. So my sin can be paid. And Philemon takes Paul's letter and he walks over to Onesimus and says, I love you. I don't see you're wrong anymore. You're forgiven. 
So the application is this. Sitting in a church doesn't make you saved any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. You can be coming to church your whole life and die and go to hell. It happens. If you want to know the Jesus that I'm talking about and you've never met him, I want to introduce. I want to let you know how you can spend eternity in heaven with the greatest love that you'll ever have. And you want the guilt and the shame and the sin washed away and you want to wake up in the morning and let your feet hit the floor and be happy about it? It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. We're going to sing this again and I invite you all, please stand to your feet. And if you have never, ever said, Jesus, yes. Jesus, I need you and I want you and I desire your forgiveness and your love. I'm going to ask you to do something that's super hard. I'm going to ask you to come down here in front of everyone and make that confession and that admission. And I want to introduce you to Jesus. But if you just want to come down here and just worship and pray and say, God, it's always been you, and I acknowledge that, then you can do that too. This is the song of Onesimus, which means it's the song of us. storm in 
walls that stand around me all this time my guardian was you you are the light that shines in every tunnel there in the past you'll be there tomorrow all my life your love was breaking through it's always been Father, I thank you that you died for my sins, my sickness and my diseases. I repent of my sins. I give you my life. I receive you now. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. You arose again, and you're taking me with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's all it takes. Once you make that choice in your heart, you are saved and going to heaven. He can't take you to hell. It's an awesome thing. Father, we thank you for those that committed. Thank you for many of us that just said, okay, we've got to regroup and we've got to restart. Uh, you've always been saved. You've just got to start living and seeing that transformation take place. We thank you, Lord, that you do the work. We don't do it. You've already done everything we'll ever need to do. We just have to trust and obey. There is no other way. And we thank you for everything in our lives, Father. Thank you for a safe trip home, safe, safe, safety around about us and all that we're going to be doing. And we thank you for everything, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Call you blessed. You are dismissed. Five minutes or so. Meet back in fusion. The deacons, and we need to get together for a few moments.